97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to talk basketball with Tom Chambers, former Ute, former jazz player on the Phoenix Suns, pregame, halftime, and postgame as an analyst for Fox Sports Arizona. Tom, good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Oh, sure. You know, I'm happy to do it. Had we- to get me up. I had to watch last night. I had to, of course, had to watch Charles Barkley, who he played for, so I was up a little late, but... Uh, <laughs> it's nice to know that he still doesn't know who anybody plays for, so that's good, you know. <laughs> so I guess the uh, before we get into any specifics, the, the bigger question is there is lots of positivity about the direction of the Suns after kind of a, I don't know, to put it nicely, a lost decade. Uh, how much of that positivity is just because people need hope to, to hang on to? How much of that is these guys are really going to be better? And if you're going to be better in the West, what, what does that mean, given how deep the West seems to be? Well, well clearly we have lost Tom. So... Uh, Jake will try him back. He was breaking up there. If you can let him know, Jake, yeah, maybe there's a landline he can hop on or he can get to a better spot. All right, well, we'll try that again, PK. Take two. Well, that, that goes. that's good because the Suns have had take ten now, <laughs> and they're trying to get it right. And early returns are they've gotten it right, and they're going to be fired up. That's why I'm excited for this game because they believe, they believe they're good. That's probably, I don't know if it's half the battle, that's the cliche. But the fact is, they're going to come in with all sorts of confidence. And it's a great test, you know, early in the season, obviously. And when we get to May and June, it's not going to matter much. But we're looking for tests right now. We're looking for the Jazz to be tested, to answer. And this is an upstart team that thinks they're good, that thinks they're on the way, and they're excited because everybody wants to win. And the, the Suns right now, they're winning at a very good clip. And that was, I watched that game against New Orleans, and New Orleans thinks they're good, and the Suns dominated them. All right, we've got, we got Tom Chambers back on the line. Tom, welcome back in, and uh, just hit us up. The, the Suns are supposed to be better. How much better, and what does that mean in the West, at least from your eyes? I had a really good answer. You guys didn't get to hear it. You know, <laughs> um, you know I mean, just what they're doing. They're building this team. They've got a bunch of character guys. They're all working hard. They're all buying in. Um, Devin Booker's been doing it by himself pretty much for years now, and it's nice to finally get him some guys who play alongside of them. But you look at the game last night, and Devin Booker and Chris Paul, their two best players, neither one of them even scored double. So that game is loaded. Um, with veteran guys who want to come in and really help out. You can't, I mean, they're still young, but you can't just say, okay, they're young and they're going to get better in the future. They want to win now. And it looks like they're doing all the right things. And as you mentioned, I mean, this New Orleans Pelicans team was picked to be one of the better teams in the West, and the Suns just absolutely decimated them uh, last night. And, and it's, it was just, it's just fun. I mean, like you say, we've had a lost decade here. I mean, this Suns team was like the Jazz, you know, fourth or fifth all-time in wins in the NBA. And, you know, over the past 10 years, you know, the Suns team has just dropped like a rock. So it's fun for us, people who have been talking about this team for so long, 
to have something real positive to say. Yeah, Tom, you know, I grew up uh, at least the second part of my life, went to high school at Thunderbird, went to Arizona State. And so I'm very much, my family still lives there and get back there often, very much familiar with the legacy of the Stuns. And obviously they were the original pro team. And when I was there, it reminded me so much of when I moved to Salt Lake in 93, and you've lived in both communities yourself. And you see the similarities between the teams and the fan bases and how they were, they owned the town for so many years, and now we know with uh, Phoenix's uh, exploded population-wise with these other teams. And so it's been kind of sad to see this franchise down, and it's nice to see them come back and have this opportunity to to win, basically. And I know Sarver's taken a ton of heat. There haven't been fans in the stands and all that, so I don't know if it's fair to judge. But what's the community's reaction now? Because, as I say, the Suns used to mean so much to the community. Well, they still do, and you're seeing it already, you know, this walk of the town. You know, Sarver, you know, you used to be for the guy. the wrong people to be the general manager before, and even the coach before. And, and so the direction hasn't been good. But now with what James Jones is doing, with what Monty Williams is doing, um, everybody's believing. And, and it's just a fun thing to see. Devin is 100% in. He believes in this group. And he's been so good for so long and, and the work ethic that he's put in. But all of the guys, you know, you look at the, 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 the high-quality, high-character guys that the Jazz have been bringing in. The Suns have been bringing in the last couple of seasons and you, you just can't you just can't spend all of that money on guys who are questionable character you just have to have really good guys that all are, are, are on the same page and willing and wanting to do whatever it takes to win and now we've got a 290 million dollar remodel of the stadium which we can't use because nobody's coming to games yet which is sad and this brand new practice facility is state of the art they call the lab so you know with 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 people now seeing what's going on in phoenix you know, and you know in the NBA, it's about free agency, too, and guys want to come here and play now, and that's a good thing when you're not getting high draft picks. Like the Jazz haven't been able to get a real high draft pick for a long time. You've got to draft well, and you've got to have guys that want to come play for that team. Tom Chambers joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone with the Jazz and the Suns playing uh, New Year's Night, and Tom's on Fox Sports Arizona as pregame halftime and postgame analyst. Uh, I'm curious, as a guy who was able to stretch his career out, you ended up playing 16 years, and you played overseas in addition all that time in the NBA. So you know as you get older, maybe you lose some athleticism. Where else do you make it up so you stay viable late in your career? What do you see from Chris Paul? Because you at least had some size, and you were never going to lose that size. So you had that. He's a smaller guy, and he's got to make that work. How's he doing there? Oh, he's doing terrific. I mean, he was an all-star last year. You know, you looked at your own John Stockton up there who played, what, 19 seasons. And if you take care of yourself, um, if you're driven, if your body stays healthy, Chris has had some seasons where he hasn't been able to play because of, you know, a a boo-boo or an owie or whatever he may have had. But he was locked in last year like crazy. I mean, that Oklahoma City team wasn't supposed to be any good, and I think they ended up fifth or something in the West. So, So he's got a lot left. And I've never seen a better coach on the court, you know, or in the locker room than Chris Paul. So he's going to make sure these guys are doing it the right way and focused. Uh, even when he's not playing like he wasn't in a couple exhibition games, he is in everybody's ear, you know, at all times. So 
Um, I just love what he does when he's in the game, when he's not in the game. And, and, you know, I mean, he's, he's just, he's got that, 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 that factor, you know, that it factor, you know, you're watching the game and you're seeing him on state forum commercials and you watch the game, you see him on, you know, whatever else. So he's got that it factor. So he brings some swag to this team, some confidence to this team. They know that they're going to have a great leader. They're going to get the ball in the right places and things are going to be executed. The best player in the NBA last season in the fourth quarter as far as scoring clutch points. So the Suns got a good one in Chris Paul. You talk about some swag. We have Joe Ingles on the show every week, and we've been doing it now for seven <laughs> years. And he told us that, if I remember correctly, uh, he said the f- his favorite teammate of all time was Jay Crowder. The guy's bounced around the league like crazy. But, you know, you look at what he's able to bring to the Suns. Can you speak to just the professionalism that Jay Crowder has provided this team? Well, he came in late because he had some personal things going on that he took care of. But um, every, like you say, with Joe, who I love Joe, by the way, I can't, I just love listening to him talk. I, it makes me smile. I, mean, I love that guy. But um, every place that Jay has been, they have absolutely loved him. But he's been caught in that thing where, like, you trade somebody and that, you know, they got to have a salary going along with them to make the deal work. And so he's been caught up in that. But. I mean, even last night, he was 21 minutes, 21 points, you know, which is his best game. He's getting himself into shape now. But everybody loves him, what he does. And just like Chris Paul after the game last night said, he's a dog. And I mean with a WWW. I mean, he just gets after people. Defensively, he don't take stuff off nobody. And he'll knock down a big shot, but he's always in the right place at the right time. So um, it's, it's interesting you say, you know, Joe says that because, Every, everywhere he's, he's left. I mean, when he left the Miami Heat last year, he was so good in the bubble for that team. But he decided to come out here and play for this Phoenix Suns team. You know, Chris Paul gave him a call. Devin Booker, they said, you know what, come out here and, and help us win. And, and, and he came. And uh, he's, he's another good one. And it just makes this team legit to have, you know, KG veterans like that want to come here and play. And it makes you feel good. You know, Tom, I want to hit on a couple issues around the NBA. And I'm curious about when what you think – when you hear expansion, uh, because obviously a lot of people think Seattle and you played there. What would it mean to the community to get the Sonics back and get the green and gold back? And then also, you know, people worry about the league watering down, but the game's gone international. So the talent base is widened. Uh, do you think there's the talent out there to put two more teams in the league? And if so, what would it mean to Seattle? Well, absolutely. There's enough talent out there. I just look at my fantasy team. Now I used off the free agent board, and now there's all kinds of guys out there. I mean, even Mike Conley wasn't drafted this year because it was because it was bad year last year. But to get back on task, yes, Seattle would 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 embrace it. They love it. They still talk about it. There's still Seattle was Rob T-shirts out there. It would be great to get a team back in Seattle. It's a great basketball town, so that would be absolutely spectacular. And do I think that there's enough talent? There's no question about it. There's enough talent right now to do that. It's been a long time. I can't even. I don't even know how many years it's been since there's been an expansion team. But uh, the NBA is ready for it. It's loved. I mean, hopefully, you know, all this crap, you know, of 2020 will be behind us. This COVID and all that stuff. And, you know, the fans will be back so the owners can start making some money because I'm sure this has hit them in the pocketbook harder than anybody. So, um, yeah, I, I absolutely think it would be terrific to get a team back there with some other cities. But I know for sure Seattle would be, would be. Uh, I mean, they, would, they, they need to get their arena situation figured out, but uh, they're, they're willing to do that. 
So you were an all-star player, Tom, during the time you played 80s and 90s. And we hear guys tend to say, oh, in my day it was better and blah, blah, blah. I'm looking at the NBA with the influx of the foreign guys and not just one-trick ponies. It used to be, you know, soft white European dudes who just shot from the outside. Well, now you got guys that are tough, Doncic, and just one example and all that. So my point being, as we look towards maybe expansion, I, I to me, I don't know that the NBA's never ha- had as much talent top to bottom as it has. Now, you look at some of these teams that are at the bottom of the standings, and they still hold my interest because they got one or two players that I want to watch. So you're involved in the league, and obviously you played in the league a while back. What do you think of the state of the talent in the league right now? That's terrific. It really is. And there's guys coming in, like you say, from Europe every year. I mean, we, we drafted number one, and the two guys behind the number one draft pick in Trey Young and Luka Doncic are all-stars. So there's there's a lot of talent out there. There's a lot of talent coming in from Europe, uh, a, a lot. I mean, you look at Jokic in Denver. I mean, this guy's an MVP candidate. You know, obviously Doncic is as well. You know, guys that didn't grow up here where basketball is supposed to be the only place you, you play it. So um, it's it's going to continue to thrive all the way around the world. It's just, just, it's just taken off like crazy, and, and, and you see guys coming in from about everywhere. So um, the talent is spectacular. Um, every team seems to draft somebody and stash them in Europe and hope they you know, mature because these guys are playing in Europe when they're, I mean, like Lucas started when he was 12 playing professional against men in Europe. And a lot of these guys started at 15, 16, 17 years old. So they're coming over at 19, hard to be in the professional leagues for five years. So they have a taste of what it takes to, to really be good. I mean, you look, even Joe Ingles, I mean, where was he? He was in Australia. Nobody had really knew about him and, and he's just had a tremendous NBA career. So yeah, there's guys out there. If teams are willing to go look and search, they're going to find, and you know, they're going to find guys all over the world right now coming in and, and, and really helping. And guys, you, you know, obviously we haven't even heard of. When people compare Luka Doncic to Magic Johnson, and you, you played in the 80s, so you saw Magic up close so many times. What part of that is true? What part of that is hype? How much does it blow your mind that there's somebody who grew up in Europe who's compared to Magic at all? Well, I don't see the similarities of the van. You know, they're leaders. Uh, they help their team win. They're MVP candidate kind of guys. And, and you know, they can get triple doubles every single night. Magic, who was my age and I played with a lot in all-star games and even, you know, going into the college and after in, 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 in games during college, um, was terrific. He pushed the ball. I mean, when I was MVP in the all-star game, he was the one, you know, spoon-feeding me. So he, he's more of a facilitator. Luca, you know, is more of one-on-one player. Obviously, the better shooter the Magic ever of being, but I don't still don't think he he, he he leads the team like like Magic did when he first came in the league. Obviously, Magic you know as a rookie won the NBA championship, but it was lucky the Lakers got him because they already had you know Kareem and, and and some other some other really talented players. But it's a it's a great compliment to look at these. Well, that's where I guess we'll leave it, PK. <laughs> Just lost Tom for a second time. But uh, you get the point. Thanks to Tom for coming on. I think Doncic is a better shooter than Magic. Now, is he a better winner? That obviously Get, get five championships down the road and we'll see. Right? Yeah, and, not, and then people say, well, yeah, he had uh, the leading scorer of all time, which mm-hmm. he did. And he yep. had James Worthy. He had Norm Nixon early and – 
and Byron Jamal Scott Wilkes. And, I mean, obviously. Yeah. I mean, this is a ton of talent. But I think that, and this is my magic bias just coming through completely. And right now, Jake Scott is screaming at the radio if he's listening that it's a little bit of along the lines of Bill Russell. And I've said this quote about Bill Russell many times where Bill Russell, yeah, I got so lucky everywhere I went, we seemed to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, magic winning this, a, a, a college title, winning the NBA titles. And I assume he won in high school. That's, that's quite yeah. the burden to throw at Doncic. But who's to say, man, I don't want to put limits on anybody. You know, that's what I say with Donovan Mitchell. Can he be top five in the NBA? Am I going to put limits on this young man? No, not at all. Why do that, man? Dream about it. Grow bear talking about winning a title in Utah. Well, you realize, and of course we all realize, it's never been done. <laughs> and so you're asking him to be a part of a significant part of doing something that's never been done, right? I get it. But... Am I going to put limits on these guys? No. That's the great thing about the NBA. I mean, it has so many superstars that are young, too, young. The face of the league, in my mind, as it changes, and LeBron is 36 years old today. So he is the face of the league and has been. You can argue he's been the face of the league longer than anybody, in modern times anyway, has been the face of the league. Right? Can I can I make that argument and and have some seventeen legitimacy? seventeen years deep? You know, and I in '03. I mean, come on, Shaq and uh, Duncan. Yeah, were so I mean, he wasn't then. Kobe. Kobe hadn't really even reached the height of his career yet. So there've been other guys, but right. you know, when you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated in high school, mm-hmm. and when it when the team is fine because the coach sees you, and all he does is turn around and say, "We've got to have him." I mean, of all the things people have been disciplined for, it's like John Lucas, NBA lifer, is like, wow, I'm witnessing greatness. And he turns around and says, we got to have him. It's like that. That's the worst thing that's ever been done. But that was that was LeBron's. That's LeBron's legacy. That's his early legacy. You know, his legacy has multiple chapters. Yeah, I mean, he's just a phenomenal player. So, yeah, you you make a strong point, obviously. C.C. Sabathia, the pitcher, was pitching in Cleveland at the time, and one of his buddies says, hey, we got to go see this kid. He's out in Akron, you know, and that's a little bit out of the city. He says, I don't want to go out there. And uh, so then he didn't go. He didn't make the trip. And then he came in and he played in the arena that the Cavs play in, which is literally next door to the the Cleveland ballpark. And uh, so he went, and I remember him telling the stories. He said, oh, man, I should have gone out to Akron then. <laughs> this kid is unbelievable. And CC, big man, played some high school ball himself. Uh, so he's talking about that. But he's been the face of the NBA. But going forward, you know, they've got a number of young guys who can be the face of this league. And Doncic is right there. Right, yeah, right absolutely. There. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this guy speaks multiple languages, been around the world, uh, just really, and he just captures you to play ball. And can Mitchell, can Mitchell be the face of the league? I mean, it's a long shot, but is it completely impossible? Now, man, could you imagine the face of the league living and playing for Salt Lake? That would be a stunner. But it would be cool if it happens, and... Why can't it happen? I mean, guy's got an enormous ability, man. Really does. And he's charismatic as all get out, isn't he? 
Well, you know, we were talking yesterday about foreign players and how they're so far from home, it doesn't matter where they play in the U.S. You know, the world's gotten smaller, but hey, Joe Ingles, it doesn't matter if he's in Salt Lake or L.A. or Houston or New York. They're they're all too far from Melbourne to go home for the weekend. So it just doesn't matter anymore. But I think when you flip that the other way and look at the fan perspective, the league isn't just an American sports league. It's not just a United States thing. It's not even just a North America thing. There are fans on every continent, and they're buying jerseys, and they are uh, completely on board with this. They're driving revenue for the league. They've got TV deals all over the world, and half for decades, they're just getting more lucrative, and the world's getting smaller. So I don't know that it matters what market you're in. I mean, New York and Chicago have been down for a long time, and the NBA is growing like crazy. It's not, it's not being driven by two of the three biggest markets. Now, L.A.'s had it going, but even the Lakers were down. What did they miss the playoffs? Six years in a row? Seven. Something along those lines. Yeah, six yeah. or seven years in a row. They, they had a terrible run, and the league kept growing like crazy. So would, you, would the league rather be great in big markets? Probably, but I think they're fully aware by now that they don't live and die with that kind of thing. You know, they just need marketable stars. And if you're in Salt Lake or you're in Dallas and we could we got to go to break, but we could list five other stars in five other markets who are under 25 who have a chance to be the face of the league down the line. So, and, and who knows, maybe they will expand and, and maybe the guy who really is the face of the league isn't in the NBA yet and will be the face of the league in Seattle and they don't have a team back yet, but they'll get one. At some point, it seems like they're going to get one. Everyone thinks they should. So Yeah, they should. Yeah, it's, sure. It's going to happen. It's, the Sonics never should have left. That was a horrible deal. Except for Oklahoma City. It worked out great for them. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. We'll come back, catch up on everything we've been talking about in this show next. Stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert are off to solid starts. And Rudy in particular, because they're starting to play the Jazz a little bit differently. They're not letting Rudy get to the rim as much. But when he is, he's taking advantage of it. And he and Conley talked about their emerging kind of connection in the postgame. There were a couple of plays where I thought that was really evident. Mike Conley is Mike Conley again. He's what we expected him to be when he first showed up in Utah. He's put together enough evidence now for me to think he's pretty much as good as he ever was. Thus far this season, 19.3 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 5 assists. That's what you were hoping for. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Vincenzo right wing. Holiday rotates to Lopez. A deep three-pointer. Let's it fly. Bango for Brook. Backing it out. Portis. Forbes. A deep three for 29. Why not? Bango Bryn. Bango, PK. Bango. <laughs> Never heard that. I've heard of bingo, bango, bongo, but not a bango for a three. But So the Milwaukee Bucks made 29 three-pointers. That's an NBA record. And in the process, they shellac, annihilate, destroy the Miami Heat, 144 to 97. And Sam Merrill got in on the fun. The former Aggie hit the 28th one, which set the record. He only had one three-pointer in the game, played nine minutes. So, but he's getting in game, so that's good. 
Other things we talked about in the NBA, I think we're all going to have our eye on the Denver Nuggets now. They have finished second and third the last couple of years. They have been in the second round and the conference final the last couple of years in the playoffs. And they beat the Jazz in a thrilling seven-game series that went down to the final shot, the final second of Game 7. Not a great start for them this year. They lost to the Sacramento Kings 125-115 last night. And uh, Jokic did play, but uh, Jamal Murray did not. He was out with an elbow injury, which uh, the offseason moves, the Nuggets, not so much that they made, that they suffered, I guess, the offseason losses they suffered, have led you to a theory that I think, even though people like to argue with you, they're not going to argue with you about. Yeah, when you look at Denver now, they had a bunch of good complementary players. Now, obviously, you need stars. Jokic, bonafide star. Murray, emerging star. Uh, and then, But you lose a couple of uh, role players uh, in Jeremy. Uh, Grant, obviously. Was, Big loss there. one. Craig was another, right? Well, then, so they don't have the services of Jamal Murray. He got uh, hit in the face or something, or elbow, or I think it was. I forget yeah, it's an it elbow injury. He was out. Uh, yeah, a couple games ago, and I, I was watching that game. And uh, so he's out. So then they got to have Morris step up. And he steps up and has a very nice game himself. But then you're weakening your bench because if you have to step up, well, that guy replaces the starter, but then who replaces the bench guy? You know Nobody. what I mean? And, yeah, and I you need solid eight guys, I believe, minimum, to be successful in this league. I mean, you need contributions from some other guys. So I'm wondering if Denver's, certainly their depth has been impacted. Now, how will that impact their team? They've lost twice now to the Kings. I think it was an opening night. Buddy Heald had a putback literally at the buzzer and then ran off the floor, if I remember correctly. It's going back a Went week now. Went straight to the locker room, yep. When you go back a week at my age, it's like, forget it. You can, you can go back 25 years, but going back a week sometimes is very difficult. Don't, uh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> no, I'm just making fun. I, re- I watched the game, so I remember it like it was literally last week because it was so that's funny so. enough pk you talk about the first week for the nba jeff zilgit just puts out there he covers the nba for the for the usa today he says the nba is pleased with their opening week tv rating it's the most watched opening week since 2012 with combined viewership across all networks yeah but it's a apples and oranges because of the time of year they're yeah. opening and all that stuff so i refuse to get into tv ratings i will never ever participate ever again in a TV ratings discussion with you guys ever. (laughs) I just don't care. All I care about is what I want to watch. And if I watch it and you don't, what difference does it make? Now, I realize it makes a difference to the league, but... As a fan, I, I think they put that out because of all the the ratings were down for the finals, and that was because of the politics, and the NBA uh, is doomed. They so they're putting this out to counter that storyline. They wanted to start, but early this isn't money. any more real than that was. All the numbers are freaked out. So let's and, just move on. And you know the number one reason why the TV ratings discussion bugs me because it's now a political discussion. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I have enough political discussions going on around the world that I just hate that it infiltrates my fandom and my, my leisure. And for me, it's not necessarily leisure. The, watching the jazz is not leisure, although it is, but it's not, if you get the point. And I just, I just so gets, let's yeah, have so politics let's move on. over there. Let's move on. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other NBA games? We talked about several. The Clippers uh, beat the Timberwolves, and Kawhi Leonard did not play. He's still out. Yeah. He got stitches in his mouth after getting hit by Serge Ibaka. 
but they didn't need them. They beat the Timberwolves 124-101, and the Wolves are without Carl Anthony Towns. They got worked by the Lakers without him. He fell and clearly hurt his wrist late in the Jazz game, yeah, and did. that's been serious, and uh, so he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, he's a, he's their best player, obviously. And Kawhi's their best player, too, but I think the Clippers have more talent. And I think you should be able to win some ball games, particularly against inferior competition, without your best player. Uh, and they did. And I think the, the biggest story for me was uh, the Suns just annihilating the Pelicans. 111 really to 86 with Jay Crowder, yeah. the former Jazz man, going for 20. One. It was a 25-point win. We just had Tom Chambers on, and we're talking about just the, the attitude he brings. He likes being a good teammate. He likes taking on a difficult defensive assignment and roughing somebody up, and he doesn't mind launching a quick three. <laughs> and when they're going in, it's a beautiful thing. Well, now's the time for him to play because everybody launches a quick three. Uh, but, you know, you can be – a great player, if you're blessed with great skills, you can be an average NBA player, depending on what your skill set is, obviously. You'd be great or somewhere in between. But you can be a great teammate, irregardless of what your skill level is. And when you got Joe Ingles, who's played around the world, and has played enough now in the NBA, this is where he'll be remembered, not for uh, Spain or Greece or even, I guess, maybe in Australia for the, for the national team. But as far as the U.S. goes, it's gonna, he's going to be remembered for his NBA days. And he's talking about how Crowder is the best teammate and he enjoyed playing with him. That, to me, if I'm Jay Crowder, I'm just beaming. <laughs> somebody would say that about Oh, yeah, that's, a great, that's, that's not, a great that's compliment. That's not talent. That's a great You don't compliment. have to have the best talent in the world to be the best teammate. And it really is, as you say, a great compliment. All right, College Hoops. Uh, I don't know who your team is, but they're playing. New Year's Eve, BYU is at Pepperdine at 5 o'clock on ESPN2. Utah's playing UCLA at 5 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. And the Aggies get it all going. They're playing at Air Force uh, CBS Sports Network at 2 o'clock. And Scotty G will have the call here on The Zone. The pregame will start at 1.30. So we got all that basketball followed up by the Suns and Clippers in primetime. I don't think of New Year's Eve as a big basketball day, but New Year's Eve is a big basketball day yeah i don't know that it used to be but i think it is now as it should be man uh games are over by nine o'clock i mean so if you and then this year wouldn't be the traditional new year's eve celebrations that we've had in the past and all that stuff but still there's plenty of time there sports should be on seven days a week man bring it and i love all the afternoon sports we've been getting (laughs) i do too i've been saying that for years i love it Put that stuff out there, uh, yeah, especially for us in the winter. Uh, I suppose if I was still down in my, uh, not in my Phoenix. native, but my hometown of Phoenix, I might think differently because the weather's outstanding there this time of year. But for us, we're mostly inside, so bring it on. And Jock does, Jock, Jock wants me to tell you this news uh, that I just told him in the break. He said that I should bring it up. Uh, Grimes, uh, Kansas football has hired Grimes. Oh, really? Because you were yes. talking earlier this morning about LSU was after him. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me read you this. Kansas football added a new coach to its staff on Tuesday morning. New offensive line coach Lee Grimes. Okay, I'm going I'm to reverse this. His face right now, PK, is just incredulous. <laughs> 
Now, I shared that with Yacht during the break, but he's, he demanded that I share it on air. And he is now laughing like he's Santa <laughs> with a bowl full of jelly. He is so amused with himself right now. It was good. Lee Grimes, who was once heavily recruited by Les Miles when the KU coach was at Oklahoma State, was named the Jayhawks' new offensive line coach. He most recently was the offensive line coach for the Charlotte 49ers of Conference USA. So it is not Jeff Grimes. It is Lee Grimes. Who and Jeff has the offensive line experience, and ironically, his long-lost cousin, Lee Grimes, is going to be the offensive line coach at Kansas. Another guy making the jump from Conference USA to Power 5, although Kansas is scraping the bottom of the barrel when we say Power 5. Yeah, well, get your foot in the door. Sure, financially, we wish We wish Lee Grimes well, don't we? Now, get to the headline of the story here for the BYU fans who are listening about Jeff. Uh, well, I got uh, a text last night that says, you know, he's going to be, uh, or at least LSU has interest in him, which it makes sense. It does. Guy's been down there. He's been in more, he's actually worked at multiple SEC schools. He worked at Auburn, right? Got a national title with Auburn. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Grimes has been around the block, and he's been a great addition for the Cougars. Uh, but, you know, money talks, and if he has an opportunity to, I don't know that he will. I don't know that he'll get the job. I don't know that he wants the job. Blah, 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 all sorts of variables involved. But if a Power 5 offers him offensive coordinator and it's going to throw, uh, what, Ludwig? Isn't Ludwig making like $800,000? I think it's tell? nine. It's, Is it 900000 It's virgin up a near a million. See, si, uh, Maron, me. I should have been a football <laughs> coach. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, Majerus once told me, he said when his day, when he got into it, is for the love of the game, and he felt like uh, it was getting diluted because people were getting in it because the money was so enormous. And he's right. <laughs> the money is enormous. And in his day when he got into it, back in, what, the early 70s, the money wasn't enormous. Uh, but now it is. So uh, you'd have to think Jeff Grimes would have opportunities. And really, you know, it's the old Chris Hill line, well, you want your guys to have opportunities because that means that they're doing well. But it's also one more sign for the youth fans who want to dismiss what BYU did. It just means other people are looking around saying, what they did was really good. And I think that's largely, I mean, for the BYU fans who crave respect and attention for their program, you really got it this year. And the schedule was soft and the schedule was watered down. There's nothing anybody could do about it. But the people who know football, who watch football, were impressed with BYU from the Navy game. And they never stopped being impressed and they never stopped talking about it. And this is just one more sign that people who don't generally talk about it, but now it's time to hire coaches. Isn't that the ultimate respect? If you're the head coach at LSU, 15-0 is great. But you can get fired at a school where you won a national title. Go look at Auburn. I mean, you don't even have to leave the SEC. Gene Chizik went from national title to fired in two years. Right. So if Orgeron's got a chance to make a hire, Orgeron wants to make sure that Orgeron keeps getting paid. So if he's considering you, that's an awfully good compliment. And he's looked at film, and he's talked to people, and he likes what he sees and he's hearing, or you wouldn't be in the mix. Yeah, I love BYU's offense this year. Yeah, obviously it was productive, but it was creative. Seemed they had a number of trick plays, and it wasn't just hand it to the running back and he runs to the line and turns around and pitches it back to the quarterback. Uh, they got burned on that one trick play at Coastal, but the play actually worked. Just the kid dropped the pass. Right. 
All right, uh, other things we have talked about in this show, uh, the Jazz and the Suns tomorrow night. Obviously, key game here is the Suns have improved. Have they improved a little, a lot? Have they completely transformed themselves? How much better are they? That's certainly an intriguing matchup for us all to watch. And uh, while we're gone for the holiday weekend, the Jazz will also play the Clippers in L.A. And everyone, I think, has their doubts about the Clippers. There's no doubting that there's talent there. Is it going to add up to winning and to what level? Uh, I think people were surprised that they blew a 3-1 lead and went out in the second round. I think people are surprised that they've lost by 50. There's a few red, down by 50 at halftime. There's a, there's a few red flags going up here on the Clippers. And yet they've got the talent. They've got to be in the mix. Clippers? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can argue one through 10 that they have the most talent talented roster in the league. Now, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win it all by any stretch. Does that mean that? Because uh, depth can get a little watered down, particularly if I've got two big-time stars at the top, which obviously the Lakers do. Uh, but, yeah, this is a great stretch for the Jazz. Man, they're going to be playing a ton of basketball because in addition to the holiday weekend on Sunday, they got the Spurs. So we got that game on Sunday. And they play in January. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Three, uh, four out of the five Sundays. Of course, they're all away. Uh, but then they go on this massive road trip. What's it, like seven games? They play a ton of games in a relatively short span of time. That is going to be the story of this season. There's not going to be a lot of days off. There aren't going to be a lot of practices. It's 37 games in the 71 days they've announced so far. They're playing more than every other day. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have a lot of basketball to watch. <laughs> that's, that's the bottom I, line. I love it, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think as far as practice, I think going forward here, you can have mental practices. I don't yeah. know that you need to be out on the floor right. running around. No, I think around, that's, that's how it's going to go. Wait, and you Quinn, can have a lot of film work and Zoom work and all that type right? of stuff. Well, Quinn's already talked about that, that the, especially when you're on the road, depending on the regulations in whatever city and whatever state you're in, uh, it'll be Zoom meetings because they won't even have a traditional shoot-around because they won't all be gathering on a practice floor. This is not going to happen. you know. And right. so they've got to the, – the word he went to was adapt. They've got to be able to adapt. You know, it'll be showing you film during a Zoom session, and you'll have to think about it. And you were talking earlier this morning, we don't have time to play it now, but there was a, uh, a bite from uh, Donovan Mitchell, and not for the first time. I mean, repeatedly. He gives answers to, about stuff that's happening in game, and you feel like he's playing the film back in his mind while he's doing it. You know, and that's what it's, that's what it's going to have to be. It's just that's everyone's going to have to adapt. This year's going to be funky. There's no other way around it. Yeah. All right. When we come back, your feedback, your New Year's resolutions, you've been tweeting them at us. We will get to those. Your sports New Year's resolutions next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I can't believe today. I got a painful lots of feeling. Our resolutions always end. Cause y'all know it's something you'll do again. <laughs> There's Kay cracking you up every day. Uh, kind of a version of my favorite Eagles song. It's time for your feedback, and of course, you have a chance to grab the phone, use the app, use the open mic, send us the audio. You don't have to sing like Kay. You can just send us whatever you take you want. You've been hitting us up on Facebook and on Twitter today. Uh, We're asking for uh, your sports resolutions. 
what are you resolving for the coming year? And we got people uh, calling out their friends who they're going to beat in the Utah Open. So that's good. You got your golf game to the point you want to try the Utah Open, PK? No way. Okay, how about the State Am? The State Am. No, no, no. How about you and Yawk and Jake Scott? Well, you'd beat me. <laughs> you, would, you would probably win that, honestly. That's why I picked that. Get out yeah. of town. I'm nowhere near those guys. Are you kidding me? We've got, uh, <laughs> we've got people who listen to Tom Chambers' cell drop twice. Uh, living in Salt Lake tweets at us, Phoenix may have all the major teams, but it sounds like they need better cell coverage. Laughing, crying emoji. <laughs> nice. Uh, depending on where he was, you know, if he lives up, uh, there's little hillsides there in Scottsdale. Now, uh, he's got the money, obviously, uh, to be able to do that. Uh, a couple of those places uh, got some real fancy golf courses. True North out there in North Scottsdale, which was nothing but desert when I lived there. And I've been out that way. And, yeah, cell phone service is a little spotty. And then we've got a, a shout-out from Tim Lacombe. We had the show on, or on the show earlier this morning. He says, happy birthday to my good buddy, Chris Jones Utes. Only guy I know that was a walk-on and paid for school as a barkeep at Lumpy's. Leading scorer in Judge Memorial High history. A great friend and a fixture in Utah's basketball scene. He really is a fixture. Yes. And I saw that, and I've already communicated with Chris Jones. And he communicated back with me and said, me, Tiger, and LeBron, pretty good trifecta. <laughs> nice. <laughs> There's actually one other famous name on that list from the baseball world. Who's that? Sandy Koufax, Sandy 85 Cole, today. Yeah. As I said, he's signing with the Padres now. He's coming out. He's going to give a couple <laughs> innings here and there. <laughs> Just get out there on the mound. Randy Johnson's thinking about making a comeback. Who isn't, man? Everybody's going to Padre City now. Uh, baseball capital of the world. Yeah, Chris Jones is a legend sort of behind the scenes in the state of basketball for Utah. The stories he must be able to tell, right? Oh yeah, yeah. He was uh, he his senior year was my first year on the beat uh, when he was a walk on for Majerus, and then he went right into coaching and did some private coaching. He was up at Utah State, and obviously he's on Utah staff now. Yeah, this guy is uh, just he is like Mr. Basketball in the state, as far as I'm concerned. Those guys who've been around and know everybody, and everybody likes him, too. Nobody has a bad word to say about the guy. Well, happy birthday to to Jonesy. He has carved out a career from himself, and that is not easy to do, and he's pulled it off, so good for him. absolutely. Good for him. All right, uh, Mr. Foley says his uh, his resolution for the new year is to not shank a drive into a house at the Utah Open. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe you can get a good bounce off that house. You never know. (laughs) I went down. I played with my brothers in a a course near where we grew up in San Diego one day, and they were building homes on the course at that point. And it was a dog leg, and I, this will shock you, PK, but I sent it right. But I got all of it, and when it hit the side of that house, it sounded like a cannon went off, and I wanted to hide. <laughs> Just echoing around the valley. Oh, man, I've got all sorts of stories. Our new supervisor, Chris Barney, I saw him smack one off a house, or maybe it was Riley Jensen. I think it, the both of us, well, all three of us were playing, and uh, I think it was Chris 
who hit the ball, but he sliced it over at uh, Homestead. A lady came out and curlers looked like a, <laughs> uh, a cartoon character because <laughs> he hit the house. I once saw a gal at Encanto, which is sort of like uh, Bonneville in downtown Phoenix, real old with a bunch of homes, stately homes around it. And I saw a gal uh, hit it, bounce it off a tree, crash through, and hit a pitcher window in the people's backyards. Just shattered the window. Oops. So, yeah. Seen all sorts of sh- crazy shots, and I've had a few over the years. So, yeah, absolutely. There's golf shots that have gone – golf shots gone wild, <laughs> I think. is uh, Everybody's got stories. All right. We are out of time. Thanks for joining us here today. We're off the next couple of days. We will see you Sunday night on Talking Sports and back here Monday morning from 6 to 10 on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.